This is the fourth episode of the soon-to-be-renamed Snock Show. As usual, I'd like to thank all the loyal listeners. You make this show possible. Today, I have on a crypto artist who has begun capitalizing on this NFT boom, and I wanted to learn from her to understand the impact that this is having and could have on her artistic career. As usual, this show is all about learning from those who have skin in the game, and today's guest is no exception. In these 20-minute Clubhouse episodes, we'll discuss the latest market-making activity, jump into a conversation with my co-host of the week, and field investing ideas from the community. Let's get started. Yeah. He no longer holds on the shares of GameStop, but his words are enough to make another stock pop. Remember that this show is just for your laughs, not investment advice, though. We do love some grass. The bear in the broad street didn't hire the lawyers, but he definitely wants to avoid those court orders. Don't expect the stock show to be business-like. So back to Nick O'Neill. Hey, man, here's the mic. Welcome to the show, episode number four. I'm very excited to have on today's guest, Claire. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Uh, I appreciate you uh, joining for a show called Stonk Show, even though this is uh, going to be about NFTs. But yeah, before uh, to get started, I just wanted to chat with you real quick about, uh, you know, what are NFTs and uh, how did you get involved with them? Yeah, so the simple answer is NFTs are non-fungible tokens. So if you've got a dollar, it's fungible. You can trade it for any other dollar, retains the same value. With a non-fungible token, you could have the Mona Lisa, say, and then a copy of the Mona Lisa, and you couldn't trade one for the other with the same value. That's what a non-fungible token is. Um, I got started with NFTs, I guess really I got started back in 2017 um, via acquisition of some crypto punks um was talking to a friend in the crypto chats that chan culture that was so vibrant back then and uh he told me about the project i'd heard a little about it he said that he was going to hold the ones he had kept until they ended up in the moma and that sounded great to me so i did the same um then i started doing my actual nft art gosh i guess it was only maybe a month ago that I started minting my own NFTs from, from my work, but the community is so alive that I, mean, I think I've gained 1500 followers in four days. So it's, it's really uh, living uh, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a super exciting place. Just uh, after observing the community, I have to say it's like quite, uh, it's quite supportive. Uh, you know, everyone's trying to help each other out and, uh, support artists, especially, which is what's really fundamentally exciting about this is that you have uh, an audience which traditionally uh, almost is exploited to a certain degree, but now actually being uh, the stars of this platform, which is quite exciting. So, okay, so you went from being an early adopter in this space, which is, uh, I, I think everyone wishes that they were. Uh, actually, before we jump into that, I I'm curious. So, are you taking. Uh, your CryptoPunks all the way to the MoMA? Yeah, I, I think I am. You know, I might part with one eventually just to do a little traveling and enjoy the enjoy the benefits. But the other few I'm going to keep. Um, I think that the historic proposition, the cultural proposition, and the value proposition are higher in the future than they are now. And keeping mine and having that publicly displayed as my avatar, like, 
that's a show of skin in the game, right? That's a show of belief in the space and where it's going to go. So I definitely want to keep them. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bold. I'm sure, you know, for a lot of people that jumped in, I think the, you know, the NFT space, including myself, jumped in in recent weeks. I, I was tracking it back during CryptoKitties, but we kind of sort of would laugh about it at that point in time. Uh, you know, what What do you think, like, the tipping point has been for this outside of, you know, the recent stuff with Beeple? Oh. Hmm. Uh, I lost you for a little bit there. Sorry, but I think you were saying, yeah, it was... Uh kind of a kind of a joke and now it's becoming really real with the people sale and like yeah absolutely but you know what oh i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say and like what is the uh, what do you think the tipping point is outside of people that uh, honestly compelled you to get involved yeah um so i see this as a new art movement i mean genuinely and with any art movement in the beginning it's going to be ridiculed you know, the realists did it to the impressionists, the impressionists did it to the abstract artists, and they did it to new media, and now it's NFT's turn, and uh, that's, that's normal. But um, I think that it's a new global, thriving, blooming art movement. I think that the first in any art movement has value, no different from the trad uh, art world that way. And CryptoPunks were the first NFTs on Ethereum, so I think that they will have that provenance and that value. Um, I got involved because I, I've done traditional art for quite some time, but it's really difficult in the traditional art world to get in there and make a career without the degree in art, without the connections. Um, a lot of artists are finding that the NFT space is kind of an equal playing field. It's like this, I mean, it's quite populist. It's really sort of the meritocracy we were told it should be. Um, also, taste I'm finding seems to be more of the new currency these days, certainly for collectors. Your taste can become money for you if you, uh, you utilize it. And for artists, their tastes are making their name for themselves in the space and we're early enough that uh, I think there's a lot of room to grow. Yeah, I completely agree, which is why I've been investigating uh, the NFT space completely. Um, so who are like right now, uh, since you uh, clearly had the taste to get involved with CryptoPunks. What are you looking at now? Well, you know, so there's the blue chip in any market. So the blue chip for the NFT market, I think, is probably CryptoPunks, um, Beeple, clearly after Christie's. I just read today that uh, Murat Pak is going to be doing a Sotheby's sale. So I imagine they'll be there too. Um, but then there's sort of the next to the, the mid-range emerging sort of artist, so that would be like Hakatau is very established, Felocious. Um, I think Sean Williams is going to join that crew. And then there's the new artists of which there's just this litany um, of gold that you can find. You just have to do a little digging and have the taste to be able to discern. And, and the good thing is that it's so fast. It's becoming big so fast that these new artists are getting accelerated that are in the space right now so you have a very good chance as a collector to be able to find someone that um you know make row rather quickly and so uh, right now you know this is such a unique time and i think we saw uh with with the people uh, transaction and um, and additional transactions i mean i've been on a couple live clubhouse shows where auctions are going on at the like at that moment and five million dollars of NFTs are being sold. Do you think, like, do you see this right now as 
uh, yet another one of the crypto bubbles that we're living through? Or do you think we're actually still, th this is actually just the foundation? So, you know, it's always hard to comment on whether something's a bubble, especially if you're a believer. Um, so I'm not going to rule that out. But I will say that I, again, think that this is a new global art movement. And I think that it's going to grow with time. You know, there's barriers of entry to the traditional art market for the collector as well. Um, with digital art, it's way more widespread. It's way easier to get into. I expect that more and more people will start getting involved and taking notice as the tech transitions, not unlike social media. Um, and when that happens, the influx of artists and the influx of creators is just going to raise the bar across the board. Um, and it's going to turn into something much more sustained, much more long-term. Um, I do see it going on. So uh, when did you, I mean, I'm assuming you've been creating art for a long time now, but when did you first get into it? Into creating art in general? Yeah. Like, what, you know, that's, a, that's an abstract question. Like what, what, T tell me about like sort of your your career in art so far or like did you just start like you I, I don't know you know we this That's is the it, first yeah. time we've connected uh and so I don't know anything about uh your past but uh, like did you just uh you know complete uh college or avoid college and just happen to jump into this crypto space or have you been uh working at an art career for for a period of time now you know, so actually, um, I had a career in something else. My background's in art history and marketing, um, so it fits pretty well with this space. But I had this other career going, and then I got hit with a uh, chronic illness, life-changing, life-changing illness. And so in the sort of empty space that left, I taught myself to oil paint, um, started making pieces, and had a little gallery interest, but it never really went anywhere. Um and so I eventually transitioned to digital just because of the ease of use. I didn't have to constantly be buying new supplies. I didn't have to, you know, stress my body doing a five foot wide oil piece. Um, and I found that digital was great because it offered so many possibilities that traditional didn't. So I eventually went into AI collaborative art. So that's where you collaborate with an artificial intelligence to make sort of the base idea for what you'd like your work to be. And then you can go in and hand paint, animate, use as a reference to 3D models. There's all kinds of things you can do. And I got so excited about the possibilities of generative media. Um, you know, there's something right now called GPT-3. It's not open access yet, but it will be. But essentially it's a blank AI that you can feed whatever media you like. So you can feed it all of your favorite books, your diaries, your favorite song lyrics, whatever you like, and tell it you'd like a screenplay. And it will spit out something exactly to your taste. And if it's not to your taste, you can tweak it until it is. So how long until that's going to start being the standard? Like, I think that generative media and people's taste is going to be the standard for art in the very near future, I'd say within three years. Um, so that got me more excited about tech and I started exploring online and found the NFT Twitter, which is integral for the NFT artists. And uh, yeah, it took off from there. It was very supportive, very exciting, and I was happy to be a part of it. Yeah. The uh, So is this now uh, outside of your CryptoPunks uh, portfolio, 
are is this now your uh, career here you're gonna or at least for the time being uh, work on creating additional art yeah i am uh, i'm making a i would call it a dignified living doing this which is something that most artists do not enjoy and another thing about nfts is you get royalties for resales which is something that other creative mediums have enjoyed but traditional artists have not and so that's that's really good for staying power. Um, I am going to make this my full-time career. I am doing this full-time right now. That's awesome. So, uh, congratulations, first of all. That that's incredible. You know, a lot of people. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people aspire to that. Uh, but I, that's why I, I'm personally so excited about the NFT space because of stories like your own, uh, where uh, you know, making it in the art world is uh, not easy. And uh, to, to do it at all is a major accomplishment. So that's really awesome. Um, when it, when, as you mentioned, GP3, you know, I, I got access to it. I was on, uh, like I had applied a while back, although I haven't figured out what to create, but now you have inspired me. Uh, and so we're going to have to, <laughs> we're going to have to create. Uh, I actually have a question about that. What tools are you using today uh, in order to create your art? Are you using GP, uh, GPT3 or is there some other sort of tools that you can use uh, to, to create? Yeah, so right now, mostly what I'm using is a project by a guy named Joel Simon, genius. Um, it's called artbreeder.com. You can make a free account, and it's a GAN, which is a generative adversarial network. Um, it takes, say, a huge image set of every public domain classical painting uh, that it can find, and it turns it into this database that it pulls from to create new art possibilities. Then you can go in manually and adjust, you know, colors, shapes. You can add in whatever you like. It's really innovative. Um, and you end up with something that feels like something like what you might want. And then you can build on top of that. And there are a lot of artists doing all kinds of bleeding edge stuff with that. There's one guy I follow, uh, Mersmensch. He is creating language and music based on the visuals that his generative adversarial network, the art breeder network um, puts out. I have no idea how he's doing it. It's magic. Um, but yeah, that's what I use primarily as art breeder. And then I'll put in some of my physical abstract paintings uh, digitally, upload a photo, mix it in. Usually I'll take a selfie of myself and mix it into the faces that I create um, until I, it sort of feels like you get a little bit of a legacy if you mix in just a tiny bit of yourself to every piece. Um, and yeah, I'm still experimenting. It's a really new genre, but it's definitely going to get much bigger soon. Yeah, well, and clearly there's demand for it. Would you say that, uh, do you know the people who are buying your art today or is it uh, completely random people? So it's a mix. I've sold about 20 pieces so far. Um, some of them are to people that I know via the NFT space and the CryptoPunks community. And some of them are completely uh, anonymous, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, the fact that there's any anonymous, you, I, I still do believe, I, I think what you said about meritocracy is true. However, I do believe that there's some effort, as with anything, in terms of marketing uh, to get out the word about the art that you're creating uh, in order to actually sell it. So I think being, being uh, tied into that com community is important. On that note, sort of what would you suggest for people who are trying to get into the space uh, I have two questions. First of, uh, f first of all, like, who uh, are the top people that you would pay attention to in order to get a good understanding? 
Uh, gosh. So I mentioned Sean Williams. Uh, he started about when I did, maybe a little before. Um, and he's really come up in the community and he's done it through being incredibly supportive, incredibly enthusiastic and making incredible artwork. So he's now represented on Super Rare, doing very well. I think you should definitely watch him. Um, and then, you know, blue chips aside, there are a lot of small artists, like I mentioned, I mean, too many to mention that are just entirely based on your taste more all the time. But like, there's this one collector, um, ito.east known as egg lovingly in the community and he just goes in and explores new artists work and then just buys it up i mean he has this huge vault of new artists that he collects people like that are becoming more common every day um, i'm also working on building co-founding um, a gallery in virtual space for new artists to feature them and try to build up their careers more quickly um, no further details yet but I do expect to have that out in the next couple of months. So hopefully I'll be able to help some new artists that way too. Yeah, that that's really awesome. What, uh, so outside of, right now, like a lot of these marketplaces, I think you're listed on, oh, actually, I don't know where you're, OpenSea? Yeah, I'm Rareable and OpenSea. Um, I'm about to apply for Super Rare. Uh, wish me luck there, but nowhere else yet. Uh, in terms of, technologies that uh, exist like these are market markets that are really popular at the moment this is a really new space is there any like on the technology side are you paying attention much to uh any of the underlying technology or and and if so are there any uh sort of projects that you're following yeah so there is one project that's really new i mean very early not all the functionality is there yet but it's called tryshowtime.com project is called Showtime. Um, and it's aiming to be the Instagram of NFTs. So that'll be a really visual, easy, user-friendly way for collectors and artists to meet each other and make those connections. I'm following that. And then, you know, of course, just following the crypto space in general, ETH. And I know there are also some other cryptocurrencies that are going to be launching marketplaces. Um, I don't, I think maybe AVAX has launched one in the meanwhile, but I'm not familiar. But I know there are going to be several coming up in the next month. Are you concerned about sort of interoperability of some of these different things? I'm assuming that, you know, it's so early, it doesn't really matter. Like people will eventually build those connectors uh, to enable you to have portability. But that seems like one of the greatest concerns. If you think about art, uh, like physical art, all that matters is that you're able to store it for ideally an indefinite period of time. Uh, and, and there's risks with that as well. Uh, but I'm wondering if there is a similar or there has to be a similar concern with digital. Uh, do you care about that at all? I mean, I do. Um, and I can't speak to, you know, the other currencies and the other blockchains that are going to be doing this. But as far as ETH goes, um, you know, that's the beauty of the blockchain is that everything is recorded. Everything is backed up. Everything is immutable. I do think that ETH is getting integrated enough into I mean, governments at this point, corporations, banks, you know, um, that probably you don't have to worry about it all just vanishing and you losing your NFTs unless there's some massive global solar flare or something. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, we're going to have we're going to have a lot of issues if, <laughs> if, if that occurs outside of uh, losing our NFTs. Um, yeah, for sure. May, may not have power or Internet or uh, many other things. I, I'm not. I can't say I'm prepping for that, although I've read about it. Uh, um, well, awesome. 
Uh, if anybody in the audience at this point, this thriving audience that we have in this room uh, today, uh, <laughs> want to ask a question, you're, we have time. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of curious. Uh, well, yeah, you mentioned actually already uh, some of your tokens. What are your, uh, outside of applying for these, um, for uh, additional markets, like what are your plans going forward? Is it just create more more art? Uh, like is that is that the name of the game at this point? Um, so always, you know, create more art. Um, also this gallery that I'm co-founding, I hope will become you know, a, a big thing with time. We can help a lot of artists that way. Um, you know, I, you were talking earlier, do you think that it's going to bubble out or, or continue? And I didn't mention this then, but I really feel like NFTs are kind of the culmination of the millennial Gen Z file share culture, you know, like the like Napster download kind of thing. But the thing about NFTs is that saving and sharing and enjoying them doesn't depreciate the value of the actual original um, that is held and only one person can hold it. And I think that's so cool. That's such a radical shift. Um, and I think that once our generation figures that out, we're not going to go back to how it was before. So I definitely foresee it opening a lot more projects in the near future. I, I completely agree uh, and feel the same. Uh, w one question. So what's up uh, with this gallery? So are you creating like a digitally native gallery? Yeah. So it's in uh, Crypto Voxels, which is a virtual uh world essentially um vr integration also think that will only become more ubiquitous this time and uh, we're going to do a few artists um every month and sort of cycle through and just try to help get them some visibility and connect them with some collectors and uh see where it goes that's a, what was the name of that how do you how do you spell that crypto voxels uh, okay that's voxels with a v v-o-x-e-l-s okay cool uh, I've not jumped into the virtual world side of things, uh, too heavily outside of, um, yeah, a long time ago. Uh, but, but I've, yeah, I've, well, yeah. you know, that's even newer, but it's like, it's kind of beautiful that the thing that people wanted first was the art, you know, and then once they had the art, now they're starting to think about the walls that they're going to hang it on. Like you can hang a painting over your mantle and people see it once a year at the Christmas cocktail mixer. And that's special in its own way, but you're going to spend a lot more time staring at screens than you are blank walls these days. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be. Um, I, I have one last question about this. Are you uh, buying any sort of like digital frames or anything else like that to uh, display your NFTs? Oh, man, you know, I'm not yet. Um, but I do anticipate a market to emerge for that. I do paint um, physical copies of some of my digital pieces in oil, and I have them around the house. And I've gotten a couple of commissions from my digital buyers. So I'm doing a couple physical pieces now. But as for like physical display frames for digital pieces, not yet, but I expect to. I also think some of them will be uh, aligned with those pieces. Like when you sell a physical piece, it also comes with an NFT or even of the fact that like I've been thinking about, uh, you know, you could sell a, a piece of art. A lot of uh, collectors don't even actually have the art shipped to their house. It's like in some storage somewhere. This is for obviously a very select group of individuals. Uh, I, I do not include <laughs> myself in that, but they can get that NFT as a representation 
And ultimately, it's like a portfolio diversification for them. But they get that that copy. So I could definitely see it going the inverse way as well. Yeah, absolutely. I could see that. I hadn't thought of it, but you're right. Um, yeah, I, NFTs on their own have so much potential. I, I, I uh, love the opportunity, but I think your uh, story is telling you know the beginning of this narrative, uh, and you obviously got in at the at the right time. But I think you know uh, what you identified is that the community is one that's quite supportive, quite open, uh, and looking for other people to join. Uh, because it helps all of us. So that's that's what's really exciting. Yeah, totally. I'm usually just early enough to be mocked, which is, you know, fine from an investment standpoint, but not very fun. But this time there's a whole community of people like that. So I get to have friends instead of cringe. It's great. I, uh, yep. I, I consider myself a second wave <laughs> adopter, not a first wave adopter. You, you were somewhere maybe in the 1.5 space here, but uh, mm-hmm. at, at least um, it, it, se- it seems to be uh, at the right time, but phase two is still uh, wave two. I should say is still incredibly early, uh, and so yeah, I mean it's 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 exciting. Um, well, Claire, I, I don't want to take up all of your time, uh, but I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks so much for uh, for inviting me. That's it for this episode of the Stonk Show. You can check out Claire's work at clairesilver.com. And be sure to subscribe to the new show at nftnick.com. I'll be sending out the latest episodes to the email list. And as usual, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and a growing set of podcast platforms. Thanks again for tuning in.